Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we'll unlock the book Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married. When a loving couple says I do at their wedding, they're sure that they've met the right person and that they will spend the rest of their lives together. With guests' applause and blessings still echoing in their ears, the wedding comes to an end and the prince and the princess live happily ever after. Generally, only fairy tales end this way. Unfortunately, life is not a fairy tale. Surveys show that the divorce rate in Western cultures continues to hover around 50%, and the highest percentage of divorces occur within the first seven years of marriage. If you were to interview any of these couples and ask them, why did you get divorced? You may get a standard answer, we don't love each other anymore. After years of providing marriage counseling, Dr. Gary D. Chapman, the author of this book, has found that this situation is not unusual. The reason for divorce is a lack of preparation for marriage and the failure to learn how to work together with your partner as a teammate. So, what exactly do you need to do before getting married? And how can you avoid unnecessary harm in your marriage? We can find the answers in today's book Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married. The book discusses many different potential pitfalls in marriage and discusses the psychological preparations you must make for your future together. It intends to explain to couples that happiness won't magically appear just because you got married. Before preparing for your wedding day, you should prepare for marriage. Dr. Gary D. Chapman is a well-known relationship consultant. We also introduced his previous work The Five Love Languages, which remained at the top of the New York Times bestseller list for many years and sold more than 4 million copies worldwide. He hosts marriage seminars across the United States and offers marriage counseling to couples, which has changed many people's lives. Next, let's learn how to mentally prepare for marriage. We'll do it in three parts. Part 1, How do you create a happy marriage? Part 2, Three key issues that influence the spousal relationship. Part 3, Other factors that influence marriage. After counseling over a hundred married couples, Dr. Chapman found that most people have a narrow view of love. For example, they say love is meant to be. If two people get divorced, it's obviously because they don't love each other enough to remain married. When they wake up after the honeymoon and the loving feeling that once gave them goosebumps fades, their once perfect partner becomes hateful and many conflicts occur. Thoughts like I must be with the wrong person and why did I fall for this person in the first place begin to arise in their mind. However, these men and women don't realize that falling in love is just the first step in a romantic marriage. At this stage, both partners are willing to do anything for the other regardless of the cost. However, real romance has two stages. In other words, mutual affection is not enough for a happy marriage, it only lasts for about two years. After this stage, the couple must make a conscious effort to allow the affection to transition to stage two, in which the most important effort needed is to understand each other's love language to better communicate with the other. In our lives, we often hear conversations like the following. The wife says, I don't think you love me anymore, you can't even remember to give me a gift on Valentine's Day. 
The husband replies casually, We've been married for so long, why do you still ask for that stuff? Then he shows off. I changed the light bulb today, isn't it much brighter? This upsets the wife even more. Dr. Chapman says there are five love languages, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. It's easy to interpret these directly. For example, words of affirmation could be sincere praise, quality time might be spending time in each other's company, and physical touch may be regular hugs and kisses. The wife's love language we mentioned earlier is receiving gifts, while that of the husband is acts of service. The reason they don't understand each other is that they have different love languages. They're used to expressing their own love language, so neither of them feels the other's love. The love language you get used to speaking is the same love language you hope to receive. This also applies to your spouse. When you feel upset due to thoughts like I've done so much. Why can't you feel my love? You should learn about your spouse's love language and compare it with yours to see if your codes match or not. It's not easy to use a love language different from yours, but you can learn to do it. Learning and practicing your spouse's love language helps improve your relationship and facilitates the transition from the first stage of romance to stage two. Conflicts and disagreements are marriage killers. Dr. Chapman had a difficult time with his wife Carolyn, and they struggled because he didn't know how to deal with the conflicts. For example, Carolyn loves watching TV and thinks it's a relaxing way to learn a lot. Dr. Chapman believes it's a waste of time. Therefore, disagreements occurred and expanded from watching TV to other aspects of their lives together, making the couple's conflicts more serious. From his own painful experience and those of many others, Dr. Chapman discovered some peaceful ways to resolve disagreements. There are three of them. First, we must begin by accepting the reality that conflicts will happen and that the key to a happy marriage is to recognize and face them. Having conflicts does not mean you chose the wrong person. Everyone tends to think their outlook is the best, so it is with our partners. Therefore, we think that the other person cannot understand our thoughts. Due to your different experiences and personalities, it's natural that your logic is also different. Once you've accepted the existence of conflict, you need to discover a healthy plan for processing them. Learn to listen instead of always expressing your ideas. You need to understand the other person's suggestions and why they are making them. Second, you need to state your understanding of those suggestions to ensure there's no confusion. The essence of listening is respecting others and allowing them to express themselves, which helps ease tension and create a friendly atmosphere. Even if conflicts are not fully resolved in the end, at least they will not provoke further hostilities. Third, try to compromise and find a middle ground. You need to know that in marriage, it is never about getting your own way. Rather, it's about discovering your joint way. To be more precise, there are three ways to compromise. The first is meeting in the middle. Both of you would like to give way to the other's wish, to ensure at least parts of each of your wishes can be realized. For example, you might give up staying with your parents for the entire Christmas holiday and spend the other part with your spouse's family. The second way is meeting on their side. That requires you to understand the other's difficulties, completely sacrifice your thoughts, 
and positively act according to the other's ideas. Such fulfillment sometimes requires great sacrifice. However, one must sacrifice for love. The third way is to meet later. That means it is impossible to agree now, so you allow each other to maintain your own opinions and find satisfying solutions later after things change. Although the disagreements still exist, they won't influence the happiness of the marriage. In reality, meeting later is a realistic method. Sometimes, it may be the only way to resolve disagreements. We've talked about two methods of creating a happy marriage. There is still an important one left. That is learning to apologize and forgive. If the husband believes that real men don't apologize and the wife insists that to forgive is to lose, the marriage will be a constant war. Perhaps many people don't think that apologizing and forgiveness are necessary parts of a healthy marriage. However, it's the truth. Nobody is perfect. We will inevitably offend others in words or actions and give them unpleasant emotional experiences. At this time, apologizing and forgiveness is a golden pair that will make it possible to overcome emotional barriers and rebuild and evolve your relationship. Many couples blame each other when they have quarrels. Dr. Chapman did the same when he was newly married. When having conflicts with his wife, he never thought it was his fault and that he should apologize. So, they constantly quarreled. Then, in a theological training class, he read a sentence from John the Apostle in the New Testament, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and then the truth is not in us. Chapman was shocked. He began to reflect on himself. Had he never been wrong in the past? How much longer would he deceive himself? Soon after that, he tried apologizing to his wife and recovered their relationship. Of course, we also need to learn how to apologize. Maybe what you think of as an apology is not an apology at all from the other's person's perspective. We mentioned the five love languages. Now we're going to talk about the five languages of apology. Dr. Chapman summarizes them as expressing regret, accepting responsibility, making restitution, genuinely expressing the desire to change your behavior, and requesting forgiveness. Specifically, when expressing regret, you should not only say I'm sorry, but also tell the other person why you feel sorry. Sometimes, you can use words that describe the pain you're suffering from hurting the other person. The apology of accepting responsibility requires you to explain why you're wrong. Making restitution means expressing the willingness to make up for your mistake. It's best to make restitution in a way that matches the other person's love language. Genuinely expressing the desire to change your behavior means that your apology is connected to the resolution to correct the mistake. In a word, whether the apology is sincere or not is determined by the other person's feelings, not yours. Therefore, learning about the other's language of apology is necessary. Forgiveness is the only useful response to an apology. It requires us to commit to putting aside our interests and being kind to the offender. However, forgiveness cannot erase our memory, nor will the bad consequences disappear. As a result, it's difficult to rebuild trust quickly in a relationship. But forgiveness can make the rebuilding possible. Forgiveness doesn't mean your relationship will be rosy right away, but it increases the possibility of rebuilding a harmonious relationship. That's the first part of the book. In this part, 
we learned that romantic love has two stages and introduced three secrets to creating a happy marriage, solving disagreements without arguing, apologizing, and forgiving. As we can see, a happy marriage doesn't happen by itself. It takes work. But what else do you need to do to have a happy marriage? Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.